Child dedication. We're taking a break from the book of James this week, and we're doing something that we do every year. We take a weekend, uh, one weekend a year, and uh, we give parents the opportunity who have never dedicated their kids to dedicate their kids to God. Uh, give parents, no matter if they've already done that or not, a chance to rededicate themselves to being the kind of parents, creating the kind of home that God, uh, well, that's God's ideal, I guess I'd say. And then we also take the opportunity to, as a church, remind ourselves and rededicate ourselves uh, to the children of this church, our mission when it comes to the children of this church, and how we, as a group, go about fulfilling that mission to the children of this church and of this community, really. Um, and I'll just say this at the get-go, okay? Um, you know, it doesn't take very long coming to church here to realize Kids are really important to us, right? You'll hear people say uh, sometimes, I remember they said it at the church that I went to growing up, uh, you children are the church of tomorrow. Uh, and they didn't say it, but what I kind of filled in was, but for today, you keep your mouth shut and you don't get in the way, right? That's kind of what I always heard. And I, I, as I grew up, and as I, especially as I read the story of Jesus' life, I started to realize, no, kids aren't the church of tomorrow. Kids are part of the church of today, just as important of a part of the church of today as the adults are. And so when we sat down as um, a group 16 years ago trying to decide what kind of church does God want us to be here in Eagle River, this, this question of children became a really important one to us. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 4 through 5, Jesus says, anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. And so we looked at that concept. Welcoming children is just as good as welcoming Jesus. So how do we here at Riverside want to go about making sure that the children that walk through those doors feel welcome here? And we put a lot of energy into trying to figure out what that was going to look like, what we were going to do, how we were going to do it. And, uh, you know, from the very beginning, what we've always said is, you know, that we do church different here at Riverside, right? Um, not that we do it better than anyone else. Not that this is the only way to do church. Not that this is even the best way to do church. We just feel like this is the way that God is asking us to do church. So I'm not trying to point at other churches that do things differently and say, see, they're bad, you know, they're wrong. That's not what I'm trying to do, all right? A lot of people come into this place and they look around, they're like, boy, this is just not church at all. I'm out of here, right? And they go someplace. To, for those people, I'll even say to them, yes, if you're looking for a place that's quiet and meditative and uh, serene and is never interrupted by kids, I heard somebody once call kids Weapons of mass distraction. I, I thought that was a pretty good one, right? Um, I could point you to 20 different churches in this area that that's the sort of experience you'll have. But at Riverside, on purpose, we sort of, our gatherings are more like a family reunion than they are a somber, meditative service, right? And a lot of times, especially during communion, right, uh, people will be trying to focus, they'll be trying to, to sort of you know, kind of key in on remembering Jesus, and all of a sudden, there will be this distraction. And whenever that happens to me, I always think of this verse here where Jesus says, 
Anyone who welcomes a little child on my behalf welcomes me. When a kid distracts me during communion, I just think, welcome, Jesus. I'm glad that you're here. Because we've been, we've had at times in our past, well, when we first started, no kids. Right? We had my son, Jonathan, who was just a little guy, four years old. We had Janet's son, who, who does the communion thought and sings sometimes over here, and he was three or something like that, and that was it. And uh, if you've ever been to a place where there's no kids, it is like a mausoleum. And so we were like, okay, we don't want a mausoleum. Now, what we've got, some people would say, is more like a three-ring circus, right? But I prefer that to the whole mausoleum thing. In Psalm chapter 127, verse 3, the Bible says that children are a gift from the Lord. And we try to make sure that not only do we remember that, but we try to make sure that every kid that walks through those doors feels that. Feels like we believe that they are a gift and that we are glad that they are here. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to spend just a few minutes talking about what we as a church do to make that happen. Uh, and we're at the same time going to talk about God's ideal for families, right? Whether we're talking about families, physical families that live together in a, in, in a house or an apartment or wherever you happen to live, or whether we're talking about the family of God and how, how we should be, uh, treat each other in the family of God. These, these three things are overlapping. And so uh, in Hebrews 12, verse 8, the Bible says that only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. We're going to try to make sure that whether you're a parent or whether you're just a member of this family, that we know how God expects us to treat the kids that are part of our family. So, uh, first thing, my family should be a place to have fun. My family should be a place to have fun. In Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 15, the Bible says, I recommend having fun. Because there is nothing better for people to do in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. Now, I grew up going to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. I never heard this verse read in the church that I grew up in. First time I was reading through the Bible for myself and I came across that, I was like, say what? <laughs> the Bible recommends having fun? Why has nobody told me this before? I thought I was always doing something wrong any time that I did anything that was fun. And so, you know, that's something that we try to bring into this family here at Riverside. And so with that in mind, let's watch this. Okay, come on, everybody. Front door now. Claire, relax. It takes 15 minutes to get there. It takes 20 minutes. If we take your route? Well, my way is the most direct. Directly into traffic? Uh, your way is directly into the... You want to make this interesting? Yeah, I don't think that's possible. We take two cars and see who gets there first. Fine, fine. Let's do that. It's on. Yeah, it is on. I'll take the girls. Luke, your dad and I are splitting up. Why? Another one of their stupid arguments. Okay, we'll go with that. No, no, buddy, come with me. Prepare to beat my shoes. Come on, Phil. Dad, that was a stop sign. I'll stop twice on the way back. Good, it'll give us a chance to pick up that hubcap you lost cutting through the temple parking lot. Yellow? Yellow? Okay. Are you seeing this? We are making every light and we don't even have to speed. The system works. Mom? I know, I went a little fast back there, but really 40 is the same as 35. You say that a lot. 
I don't think you two appreciate what's at stake here. Our lives? You know I love your mother, but I think you also know a certain look she gets that says, just listen to me, I'm always right. You mean her face? Now we're getting this. If we're right this one time, then we never have to be right again. When she says that balloon can't carry a person, Phil, I say, Manny's birthday. Take a jacket, Alex. I think it's gonna rain. Manny's birthday. Don't look at me. Look at the road. Manny's birthday. No, Dad, look at the road. There's a truck. We are so kicking your dad's butt. We are the best ones. How come you and Dad are breaking up? What? It's just a little disagreement. Can't you just work it out? Oh, sweetie, you thought that when I said we were splitting up. No, no, your dad and I are fine, honey. We just were gonna take separate cars to see if we could get to the restaurant faster. Oh, that's a relief. Oh, you must have been feeling awful back there. I am so sorry. It's okay. Why did you say you'd go with your dad? Great, mom gets to be right again. Hey, bad attitudes lose races. No, swerving into a curb and popping your tire loses races. We should call the cops and say mom's car was stolen. They arrest her, we win. Yeah, they trace those calls. But this is great, <laughs> thinking like a team. Good practice for family camp. We're, uh, we're doing that uh, again? Oh, yeah. Can't go back there. I heard this summer there's gonna be a hoedown. I can't. Haley! So we'll see a little bit more from that in just a minute, who wins the race. Um, but, you know, fun is one of those things that uh, if we're not careful, we will rob life of the stuff that makes it worth living. And, you know, even with, with these video clips, right, sometimes people say, why do you show those video clips? And especially if I show one where people are like, how did that connect with the lesson or the point at all? Sometimes I'll have somebody come up to me and they'll say, how did that connect? I'll say, oh, it didn't. It was just fun. And they'll say, well, what spiritual goal are you achieving by just showing us a video clip that's fun? And I'm like, this one right here. This one right here. Even Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verse 18 said, he was getting accused of having too much fun is what was going on. And he said about himself, he said, the son of man came eating and drinking and enjoying life. That's another one they never read in the church that I went to growing up. And so it's, it, it, yes, life isn't all just fun and games, right? But if you leave the fun and games out, you're robbing life, church, family, of par a big part of what makes life worth living. So my family should be a place to have fun. It should also be, number two, a shelter in the storm. I love the story where Jesus and his friends, uh, they get into a boat, and they go across the Sea of Galilee. Now, Jesus' friends, many of them were fishermen, but no first century fisherman would just head out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee. There, it was hard to fish out there. It was easier to fish in closer to shore where it was more shallow. It, storms cropped up all the time, and so fishermen always stayed, if they were gonna go across to another, another city, they stayed real close to shore. But Jesus would do this with them a lot. He'd be like, we're going right across the middle. And nobody would say anything. But you know, they were all thinking, this is a really bad idea, Lord. You know, but, and uh, have you ever been in one of these situations? You're in a group, 
and you're hoping that somebody will point it out to the leader that this is a really bad idea. It's not going to be me that points it out, but somebody should point this out, but nobody does. And pretty soon you're out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and the wind starts picking up and the waves. You're like, I knew this was going to happen. And Jesus is just asleep in the bottom of the boat and the things are, the waves are getting bigger, the storm is getting louder, and Jesus isn't waking up. And look at what happens in Mark chapter 4, verse 38. Finally, somebody says something, right? And you can almost see him like shaking him by, by the lapel of his robe, if that's what robes have. I don't know if they call it, but, but they're going, you know, Lord, don't you care that we're about to die? And Jesus gets up and he looks around and I'm paraphrasing here just a little bit. But basically, what he says to the storm is, he says, shh, and everything calms down, right? The wind, the waves, the storm, even his disciples' hearts calm down. And Jesus doesn't promise storm avoidance. What Je Jesus promises is that when we are in the midst of our storms, and he's the one that puts us out there. I mean, he takes his disciples out there all the time. There's a song by Stephen Curtis Chapman in his last uh, album called Take Another Step that's all about when life just goes haywire, what do I do? And he says, you just keep taking another step and another step and another step. And he, at the end, he makes this statement about, you know, when the waves and the sea seems like it's going to overtake you, Jesus comes and holds out his hand and says, will you walk with me? You know, maybe he'll, he'll send the storm away. Maybe he'll calm the storm and he'll take you onto the land. Or maybe he'll say, let's take a walk on the waves. Will you trust me either way? Just take another step. And sometimes that's what happens, right? And when I say that families are supposed to be a shelter from the storm, I'm not saying absent of conflict, okay? Or else we are all in really, really big trouble, right? Because I don't know about your home, my home is not absent of conflict. But I think what Jesus wants for all of us, whether we're talking about our families or whether we're talking about our churches, is that there is, when, when our kids come home, there is somebody who can say to them, shh going to be okay. It's going to be all right. You know, I can't get rid of all the storms for you, but this is a stable place, right? This is a place of stability where you can put your feet down, where you will always know you will be loved. We try to create that here at Riverside, that your kids, everywhere they go, our kids, right? Everywhere they go, they have somebody Telling them you're doing it wrong. Do it this way. Do it that way. You know, and, and, and I mean, whether they go to school, whether they go to the store, whether they go, no matter where they go, there's somebody telling them you're doing it wrong. Now, we can focus on a lot of different things to teach your kids here at Riverside. But we've got your kids for like 30 minutes a week, right? And so we've got to really choose what are we going to focus on. And what we decided a long time ago is we're not going to focus on trying to teach your children the proper way to behave in a worship setting, right? Um, church I went to, that, that was where they put a lot of their energy. We're not going to, you know, very few, unless you teach them at home, none of the kids that go to church here are going to win any Bible trivia contests, right? We're not drilling them full of Bible knowledge. We teach them a story every week about the faithfulness of God and his his love and care for, for his people. 
But more than anything else, what we want kids to feel and to, to have learned when they leave here is that somebody cares about them, that somebody is rooting for them, that somebody is glad to see them when they walk through those doors. In Matthew chapter, or Mark chapter 10, verse 13, the Bible says some people brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch them. But his followers told him to stop. And when Jesus saw this, he was upset and said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. Because the kingdom of God belongs to people who are like these children. Then Jesus took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and he blessed them. When people came to Jesus, especially children, they left feeling blessed. And that is our goal with every kid that comes into this church building. That when they leave, if they learned something here, that is awesome. We are very happy. There's, knowledge is good, right? Understanding how to behave is a good thing. But nothing compares to kids feeling like there is a God who loves them, who sent his son to die for them, and that his people are on their side. I grew up in a church that drilled us with biblical knowledge. We... Any one of the kids in my Sunday school class could win a, a Bible trivia contest. But there are an awful lot of kids from the generation I grew up with who do not believe that God cares about them because there were people in our church who claimed to speak for him who treated them like they were bad, like they were, there was something wrong with them, scowled at them every chance they got. I can teach adults Bible knowledge when they become adults. I can't teach an adult very easily how to lose that feeling that God does not care about them. And so this, for us, is paramount. We want to make sure every kid that comes through those doors feels like God cares about me and so do his people. And if they go someplace where people are like, there's something wrong with you, they'll say, well, God likes me and the people at my church like me. So if you don't like me, there must be something wrong with you, right? It's like, yeah, that's what we want to create. Now, I'm not saying that, 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 that teaching kids things is not good. But we got to focus on, we got to decide where we're going to put our energy. So we've got uh, a place to have fun. We've got a school of life, or I mean a, a shelter in the storm. And then third, we have a school of life. My family should be a school of life. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18. God says, remember my words with your whole being. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you were away on a journey, when you were lying down, and when you were getting up again. Watch this. You think he's the fun one. That's where you go with him. What? You think your dad is more fun than I am? Definitely. Definitely. Dad's like crazy fun. Mm -hmm. But you're nice. I'm nice? Well, not now. Tell him. Tell me what? Nothing. Hey, what do we call Daddy's car, girls? The cone of trust. The cone of trust, exact mundo, where you can speak your mind with no judgment. So, what is it? Boys, your bodies are changing? Eggs? No. <laughs> no. We were just thinking that maybe if, hmm? if you're open to it... Dad, we love you, but we do not want to go to family camp this year. Dad, are you upset? No. Then what was that sniff? Sniff? What sniff? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm actually relieved. 
the day that I've been dreading, uh, the day when you two finally outgrow me, has finally arrived. I'm handling it really well. Dad, are you crying? No. Are you sure you're okay? Yep. Oh, he is crying. I've never seen Dad cry before. But Dad, if you cry, then I'll cry. I'm not crying. <laughs> We're going to You call me Daddy? Cry, Mom. I am not crying. Let me fill you in on a little secret, Luke. When I met your dad, I was fun too, but I had to give all that up because you can't have two fun parents. It's a carnival. You know that kid, Liam, who wears pajama pants to school and pays for things with a hundred dollar bill? Two fun parents. Mark my words. You're fun too, Mom. Mm -hmm. I just decided to go with Dad because I think he need me more. You do fun stuff. You put that potato chip in my sandwich. That was a crunchy surprise. Nope, that was your dad. Everything fun is your dad. Second Christmas, Italian accent night, this race. Which we could have won. Your way is way faster. It is, isn't it? Buckle up, Luke. Today, you have two fun parents. Come on, Mom. You can do it. That's right, I can. Dad, look up ahead. Coming at us, there's Mom. Beat her. I don't think he's in the mood for that. Right? Hold on. No. If ever a man needed to win, it's this man. What do you say, Dad? OK. This one's for family camp. There's a slight fender bender at the end of that show. I'll just kind of let you know how it ends. But, you know, we talk about teaching our kids. I'll tell you this much. They will learn more from watching what you do, way more than from what you say to them. All right? In uh, Hebrews 12, verse 13, the Bible says, Mark out a straight path for your feet, and those who follow you, though they are weak, will not stumble and fall, but will become Strong, And then one final verse. I love this one. Isaiah 38, verse 19. One generation makes known your faithfulness to the next. That's God's plan. And I have had the privilege of being here for 16 years and watching it happen. I've sat here and watched as little kids with their parents trying to show them what God's faithfulness is all about. Grow up, have kids of their own, and sit in these same seats and show their kids what God's faithfulness is all about. And that's God's plan. Now, I'll say one more thing before I finish, okay? And that is that this topic oftentimes has a lot of pain associated with it, a lot of guilt and regret and shame or even anger. And if that's true in your life, I would just say this at the end of this whole thing, all right? Our God is a God of grace and forgiveness and mercy. And when you give him your life, you give him your past, you give him your future, he can change your future, yes, but there is some sense in which he can not only forgive, but redeem and restore and repair the past. 
You can't change the past. You can't. But there's somebody who kind of can. And so if you just give him these things, he will make something beautiful out of your future no matter what. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful for the children of this church, for the families who work so hard to get them up and to get them ready and to bring them here. And Lord, we just ask that you would help us to see them not only as you see them, but that when we see them, we see your son. That we know that when we welcome a child in your name, that we welcome you. Lord, we are so grateful for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so the kids are going to come back in now. If you are thinking, I want to dedicate my kids, I want to do that today, then we're, we're about to watch a video while the kids are coming in, all right? And if you have toddlers, uh, you might want to go back and make sure they actually make it all the way in here, because uh, that would not be good on child dedication weekend. <laughs> I can't find my toddler. All right. Um, if you want to dedicate your kids, just bring them up, okay, during the video. Uh, I'll invite you again once the video is done, uh, and we will do the dedication then. And uh, let's watch this, and then we'll do it. This is Bailey. Bailey is only four weeks old, and Bailey is my daughter. She has her entire life ahead of her. She's a fresh start, a clean slate. What lies ahead for her? What will she choose? One could imagine all sorts of things for Bailey. Will she choose to be a doctor? A race car driver, maybe. Maybe she'll choose to be an astronaut. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. How about a clown? Or a marine biologist? She might even be a movie star. Or a rock star. I wonder if she'll choose to be brought up in a God-loving, Christ-centered home. Hmm. If only she could. You see, that's not her choice. She'll need to gain the biblical wisdom needed to make her choices by being taught, and by watching the example she sees lived out in front of her. If she's brought up in this manner, this little angel will thank me. All right, so is there anybody here today that wants to dedicate their kids? All right, then what we'll do is we will just rededicate ourselves as a church to all the kids of this congregation. So, um, I'll just let you know right now, I'm going to ask you a question. The answer, if you are a part of this family, is yes. I'll just tell you that right now, okay? So, Riverside, do you dedicate yourselves to the children of this church? Yes. Good. And do you promise to love them, accept them, and to welcome them as you would welcome Jesus, even when, and maybe I would even say especially when, they are acting like kids? Yes. Thank you. Um, 
We're going to watch a video now uh, that is uh, sort of a celebration of our Riverside kids throughout the years. We're not going to have a closing song when it's done, so when it's done, we're done. So thank you, everybody, for coming, and we will see you next week, and uh, let's watch. Oh. 